0: It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director Jeff Kranson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast for Thursday, May 28th. Today I'm going to be talking with a couple of people about last week's flooding in mid-Michigan and ComDOT's efforts to restore roads and bridges. With me are Jocelyn Hall, MDOT's media relations representative in the region that includes Midland and the other counties where flooding was severe. And also here is Matt Chenoweth, MDOT's chief bridge engineer, who will talk about the heavy toll these rains and dam breaches and rapid currents can take on bridge supports. First, Jocelyn, we heard a lot about the tremendous damage in Midland, but can you talk about how much more extensive the flooding was across the region?
0: Yes, that's right. So Bay Region covers a total of 15 counties. And of those 15 counties, four have been part of the state uh, declaration of emergency. Uh, So Midland, Aranac, Gladwin, and Saginaw counties have all been declared a state of emergency. Um, and then recently, Iosco County, which is part of our north region, was also added to that the list of counties uh, with the emergency declaration in place. At one point following the the peak of the flooding events, when our staff actually met in person to discuss uh, what everything looked like out on the roadways and what our plan of attack was for not just reviewing the damage, but also starting to look at what repairs would be needed, we had a total of 23 bridges on the state trunk line and local road system that had all been impacted. So and when we're talking about impacts, we're talking those locations were closed to traffic on an emergency basis with no warning ahead of time to the public. Uh, and we really had to quickly formulate a plan for repairs.
1: So, Matt, this one I'll, I'll pose to you because Jocelyn made that distinction between what we call the state trunk line bridges, meaning the, the state routes, the I, M, and U.S. routes, and the local bridges. Um, and those agencies basically have their own funding sources and they deal with their infrastructure. But MDOT has a, a larger responsibility when it comes to bridges at, at all levels, whether they're on the state system or the local system. So what is MDOT's role? for all those bridges that suffered damage in this flooding event.
2: Yeah, so um, our response started pretty much Tuesday night when we heard of the first dam breach, and uh, we have many bridges along stretches of the Tittabawassee and the Rifle River and the Saginaw River that we started monitoring. Um, And each one of these bridges uh, has what we call a scour action plan, meaning um, as a bridge owner, uh, when we get a certain amount of rainfall, Ah, uh, we start monitoring the footings uh, of what, you know, and and what supports the bridge, knowing that we're having a large flow event. So, uh, when we exceed certain thresholds, uh, we close the bridge for safety, and then we monitor. So, for example, we had, as Jocelyn mentioned, uh, we had 23 bridges closed by Wednesday afternoon, and we started the monitoring of them. Um, and some bridges, because the water surge, um, you know, coming from the north, left the area very quickly. Uh, we were able to get in uh, and safely do inspections of the footings uh, the next day, on Thursday, um, and reopen some of them. Um, on others, we have to wait uh, until we can safely get a boat or a diver, or uh, we have a little uh, submarine, a sonar submarine, that we can take uh, side-scan images of of the footings. Uh, so the main thing when you're dealing with a water event is making sure that the the footings, you know, what's supporting the entire bridge... Uh, that those have not been undermined, and if they have, can we, you know, properly repair them? Such as the, you know, the U.S. Ten bridges at, at Sanford Lake, you know, those are closed. Um, the bridge has that; those bridges did not fail. Uh, the foundations are deep, but we still have to fix them. So, um,
1: so I, I it's a
2: it's a monitoring.
1: I didn't think you would use the term scour so early here. Um, so let's. I'm let's, sorry. That's talk. No, it's it's a good thing to explain. I think now it's more more relevant than ever. I. I admit that I'm always kind of admonishing engineers about using engineer words that most people don't understand, but in this case, it's a very important concept, so could you kind of lay it out in plain terms?
2: Yeah, so scour is the phenomenon of uh, when water, when the velocity of the water rushing through a cross section, um, if there is an obstruction, uh, which in the case of a bridge, a bridge could be considered an obstruction in the waterway. And so it's going to restrict the flow. And when you restrict the flow of a waterway, the water will accelerate. So the velocity increases. And what happens is um, at the at the upstream side, uh, it'll attack, you know, the pier or the abutment or the footing, um, and it, it, it erodes the material that supports it, and it creates what's called a scour hole. And what happens is what makes scour so dangerous is during, during the high flow event, um, the materials can get... Uh, eroded or scoured under the footing but then as the water slows down sediments fall out and you it'll actually refill the scour hole with less competent material so we have to go in and we have to probe and uh, scour is a big deal that was the uh, there there have been failures since uh, the mid-80s of bridges not in Michigan but in in other states uh, due to scour and so these days MDOT tends to put everything on deep footings where we pound piles into the ground um, go deep, below any scour depth, uh, but we still have a very large population of bridges that are on spread footings and waterways.
1: So when you think about the calculations that you have to do, um, going forward, knowing that we might be in a period, we, we have been for several years now, this sustained period of, of high water in Michigan, uh, that means faster currents. It means more pressure on these footings in bridges and streams all over the place. So, I mean, what do you think long-term? I mean, can we even afford to, to shore up and, and build for this kind, of, this, this kind of event?
2: For the rain event, we can. I mean, uh, for example, the, the new bridge there right in downtown Midland, the M20 bridge over the Tittabawassee, we reconstructed that over the past two years. We put that on very deep foundations, very uh, large diameter concrete shafts that go down to bedrock. And at no time last week were we ever concerned about that bridge, and the water was very high up on that bridge. Uh, but we were never concerned because we knew that it was designed for that event. Now, nothing is really ever designed for a dam being breached, and that's why we saw the catastrophic failure of the M30 Causeway Bridge, which was basically just picked up and tossed aside by the water surge. So these, these heavier rainfall events, um, we do... Designed for, uh, but catastrophic events such as a dam breaching is uh, is difficult to. It's difficult to model, and it's very difficult to design for.
1: So, what is the answer there? I guess the answer is to you know build and monitor dams in such a way that they don't get breached.
2: Uh, correct. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of what's going to happen now. Is okay. That whole system up there. That whole system of lakes. You know. What is an appropriate location for a new dam if it goes in? What's an appropriate location for our roadway if it's next to it? Uh, those are all questions that we're going to have to ask and answer as we move forward.
1: Well, there's no doubt that every road and every bridge is important to somebody. I mean, it's all about you and your life and your commute and, you know, the commerce and your community. But uh, in terms of the roads severely damaged by these particular floods, U.S. 10 is by far the busiest, both in terms of commercial corridor and in terms of volume of traffic. Um, The governor was out there this week. Um, Jocelyn and and her folks were able to show her around and and see some of what's going on. Um, Can you talk, Jocelyn, about how quickly MDOT was able to let that emergency contract and how quickly they think they can restore traffic on U.S. 10 at Sanford Lake?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the the moving components that's been pretty phenomenal to see since coming to work for MDOT is what our department is able to do in the face of adversity. So, you know, we had a series of events, whether it's dam breaches and astronomical amounts of rainfall in a short amount of time, the end result was that we had several bridges and roadways um, that in some cases had been completely washed away and in some cases required some serious heavy maintenance. Um, because we're able to use an emergency contract uh system essentially what that does is allow us to get the ball rolling almost immediately on establishing a course of action so we're able to meet out at the site Um, we're able to develop some you know basic plans of what needs to happen so in this case there was a considerable amount of backfill that had to happen um, against the bridge abutment walls Um, there's obviously some bridge approach that was also washed away Um, and then we put out a invitation to a minimum of three contractors um, that have to be able to meet with us on site at the location to review all of the bidding criteria. Uh, In this case, we extended an invitation to six different contractors. Um, Five were able to attend that meeting and four contractors by the end of the day um, that we had that emergency bid meeting, four of them actually submitted a bid for the work. Um, And then, you know, as we would with any normal construction project at MDOT, low bidder, wins um that
1: project so what do you think matt having worked up in the bay region for a while managing a transportation service center and certainly doing some major bridge work um, how does this kind of series of events with the rain and the, the flooding compare in terms of the the damage and and what we had to do to to you know mitigate as quickly as possible
2: yeah, so the, the one thing about that whole region up there is uh, it's, it's very flat. There's not a lot of fall. So when you get this type of rain, um, yeah, the, the rivers swell up. Um, and quite frankly, you know, we get, we get deluges of range, rain, you know, in the metro region. Uh, but we have a series of pump stations that deal with that water. And sometimes the pump stations are overwhelmed. Uh, like in the, I think there's a flood of 2014 there in Metro. Yes. Um, yeah, but um, in terms of the response, um, I mean, as Jocelyn mentioned, it was uh, it was it was it was done very well. Um, considering number one, our limited resources, and then considering the budget issues that are going on, uh, you have a group of folks who uh, are out there from sun up till sundown, sometimes even longer. Uh, making sure, I mean, just that night, even before the, the, the Edensville Dam breached, uh, we had maintenance folks out getting type 3 barricades and dropping them off and doing all these things. They worked all hours of the night uh, to make sure the roads that were passable were safe and where things weren't safe, uh, we closed it. And, um It was just a, it was a, it was a fantastic response. And then to have our industry partners so willing to help us and to have interest in, in the project. And like Jocelyn mentioned, you know, all, we had more than three contractors show up to bid on that project and, um, it was just, it's, uh, you know, the flooded, the, the dam was breached on a Tuesday night, and we had shovels in the ground Friday morning, it was, or Friday afternoon, it was, it was pretty cool.
1: Well, and, and yeah, and, and in less than a week from today, or perhaps about a week from today, we're recording on the 27th, uh, <laughs> it sounds like we might have traffic in two directions on the uh, eastbound lanes of US-10, so that's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, that's correct.
1: So, talk about Edenville. You mentioned that, and uh, M thirty, the state route that runs north and south through there. Um, we have a very compelling overhead photo that shows a, a complete, you know, washout in the middle of the roadway. Um, that's going to be a little more challenging uh, to rebuild that. But you think there's some opportunity there for innovation too, right?
2: Yeah, we're we're looking at. A whole bunch of options. Um, knowing that again, there's probably going to be a lot of broader coordination between Mdot, between Eagle, between the Corps of Engineers, and, and the locals up there as to what does. If everything gets rebuilt, surely you're, we're not going to put it back to you know what it was before everything failed. So we do have to deal with uh, the interim. We have to provide mobility and we have to provide safety to the to the residents up there. And so, yeah, we're looking at some options for the causeway bridge in terms of something temporary that'll that'll buy us some time until the uh, you know the final configuration of what everything uh, will look like. And the bridge just to the south of there, which uh, survived the the water surge, but it's in a fairly precarious position right now. Uh, we're actually looking at some innovative ideas to strengthen strengthen that bridge and uh, shore it up, make it safe. Uh, get a couple more years out of that bridge, again, while we go through this process of figuring out what the long term is.
1: So, how long do you think it'll be? I guess this is a question, maybe more for you, Jocelyn, working in the region. Uh, before, you know, everything is open and and traffic is flowing as it was before the flood.
3: Um, you know, at, at this point, it's really difficult to give any kind of preliminary estimate about when we'll kind of see a little bit more mobility supported, um, especially in the Edenville area. Um, But I can tell you that we are in the process of um, seriously reviewing what our different options are. Um, If there is a need for an additional emergency contract to get some maintenance work off the ground that can kind of support the community in the interim while we're looking at a more permanent fix, um, that's an option that we'll certainly explore.
1: Yeah, so I think the... The thing that we're going to have to keep our eye on, and you know, MDOT is obviously part of a statewide task force along with Eagle and several other agencies, looking at high water and you know what it's going to mean to continue mitigating it. Transportation is one of the biggest effects that people people notice. It affects your commute. You know, suddenly it gets your attention. Um, you know, I don't know, Matt, without being too dour. Uh, You know, what do you think this is going to mean the next few years? I mean, people talk about building for resiliency, but, you know, it costs a lot of money to try to build and plan for these kinds of things. Um, Are you, is it the kind of thing that keeps you up at night?
2: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Jeff, I I won't lie to you. Uh, Tuesday night, from the time I heard the dam was breached until I got up there Wednesday morning, I think I got an hour of sleep. I think everybody I talked to uh, that morning had very little sleep. Uh, Yeah, these are the types of things that that are are concerning because, again, we've got a population of infrastructure that's out there from the onset of the first roads being built to a bridge that was just finished last year, and we have to know how to manage each one of those. Like I said, for the M20 over Tittabawassee there in downtown Midland, we didn't even think twice about it, but we had 23 other bridges that we had to close because we had to make sure... The folks were safe so yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a tough burden um, for it's a tough burden for us and I, and I do lose sleep yes
1: the lakes and the waterways you know giveth and taketh away I mean it's what makes Michigan so beautiful and such a you know outdoor recreation paradise but when it comes to infrastructure water is a real challenge
2: agreed especially in these conditions where you know these lakes were all man-made and they were made and they were maintained at the same you know if the dam is there the lake is there if the dam something happens to the dam then the lake is not there so these are things that um you know we would never we just don't have any control over that and we we could never design for a bridge that's you know in a waterway adjacent to a dam and that dam failing I, you could you i guess i suppose you could build a bridge uh, that could withstand that, but uh, we wouldn't be building any other bridges that year.
1: Yeah, right. It would take up your entire budget. Yeah. Well, good. Thanks. I think this is this is helpful. I think uh, some of the things that we have to deal with long-term are things we should keep talking about and thinking about and do what we can to help the public understand. So thank you both for taking the time to do this.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. My
3: pleasure. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. And I want to give a special thanks to Corey Petey, who uh, does the sound engineering for the podcast, and to Sarah Martin uh, of MDOT, who does the show's intro and closing.
0: That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud, or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.